welcome to Cinebabble, episode 41. As always, I am your host, Ken, and I am joined by my co-host, Clint. Clint, tell everyone in the film verse hello. Well, I think I'm just going to make it more personal this time. I'm going to just say hi, Ken. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just say hi to you. You're here with me. I feel I don't the know connection. If, I don't know if there's anyone really out there, so I'm just going to know that you're, you exist. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, there's something about face-to-face contact that, I don't know. It it almost disappeared there for a while, but I guess we're back to being able to communicate with human beings. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, weird. We get to hey, do that. So Clint and I uh, got to go to our local theater this week, and that's it sounds average, but it's actually something that theater has been closed for quite a while, mm-hmm. and all we've had access to is the mall theater. And uh, our our local theater is kind of off in the country, but it's it's this great little theater. What what did you think of the the new opening? Were you excited to be back? I was excited not to have to go to the mall. I mean, I I've only <laughs> gone to the theaters twice since yeah. pandemic times, yeah. and um, I think part of it had to do with not wanting to go to the mall. Yeah. So I was excited that we could go there again. Um, it all it's it feels cozy there. Yeah, they had the reclining seats, but not just any reclining seats. They almost feel like you're in a sling, and <laughs> uh, they they have heated seats and yeah yeah uh, and like. Pretty pretty good pricing too. It was not too yeah, expensive at all. Wasn't it Tuesdays like seven dollars? Yeah, they, like seven dollar Tuesday yeah, or something, awesome. which is huge. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I had a really good time. I actually went back Friday. I'll I'll tell you what I watched here in a minute. But I went back Friday morning and just sat in the the back row. Those little seats that they have where you can pull a wheelchair in beside them. Oh, I just I sat back there and it was a working day, so I had a working movie today day and. Uh, have my phone just in case somebody texted me or something like that. But did you bring a wheelchair? Did I bring a wheelchair? Yeah, because yeah. you could. Yeah, my oh. headphones completely just went out. Did she chew through them? Yep. You're telling me that the cat's not going to chew through the cords. <laughs> have faith in the animals, you say. So have <laughs> faith in them. I have no faith in the animals. I'm living with a brand new cat too. This thing is a monster. So. <laughs> That that just happened in real time. That was all of a sudden my headphones went out and I saw them twitching around and sure enough, man, what I'm a glad these were cheap. Little beast. <laughs> yeah, have I'm, faith in the animals, you say. I'm sorry, she's going after the mic cord now. Yeah, she's gonna what a, completely sabotage this thing. Man, man for man, stop it. <laughs> all right, Clint, what you been watching about? So now we're back on track with new headphones for Ken. So I'm going to tell you what I watched about. Okay. I just, for the record, I defended this animal. I said it was just because she was hungry the other week. Mm -hmm. Well, she's been fed. She has plenty of food. It's just a fetish she has. She just (laughs) likes the cords. All right. What you been watching? Um, Well, I'm going to talk about two things. I watched um, the Sparks Brothers documentary by by Edgar Wright. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it follows their 50 year career and their ups and downs. And, and they're this band who is super influential, but also very like a band that struggled. Like they never, like would always get to a certain peak and they would have maybe a hit. And then the next album, like they're very committed to um, just their artistic vision. So they're never like compromising and like, hey, you guys should make a dance song. So if someone like a studio is saying that, they'll make a song where like, 
uh, they'll just blatantly talk about, here's your dance song. And they, they do funny <laughs> stuff like that. And they're just never pandering. So their their career is always very like in waves of, the, of success. And it's well, always comes like the most um, big events for their career are when they really stick to what they believe in. And it was, it's really interesting. It's strange because I, I don't know that I had ever, I, I had heard of them, but hadn't really known much about them at all. And they're that, they are that weird blend of ob- obscure, but so influential mm-hmm. uh, with, with different other music groups. Yeah. And it, it has a lot of uh, interviews with other artists okay. um, and, just talking about how influential they are on them. And yeah, I wasn't familiar with them until Annette. And then um, maybe a bit before that, because Edgar Wright was doing press for this documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made me curious about them. And uh, a lot of those songs, I feel like, oh, I've heard this song before. And, or, uh, or the influence on other musicians. And uh, so it was really good. It has that Edgar Wright, um, flair to it. Okay. It has a lot of like fun visuals to it, and they're a very um, visual band too. And they're and they're play playing into the documentary, and it's not a strict like Talking Heads, um, just d- discussing the influence of the influences of the band. They really go through it um, each decade, each album, hmm. like twenty five albums over this career. Mm-hmm. And still going. And it was also really interesting to find out they had, um, well, for Annette, they had written that movie and did all the music for that movie. And they had had maybe, I think it was two other scripts they were trying to get made. They had Tim Burton on board for a movie for a, a long time. I think this might have been during the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it fell apart. Tim Burton <laughs> fell apart. There was also another, I want to say he was like an Italian director who was on board. I, I can't remember his name, but he was on board to make a script for them. And then, then he was like in his um, later years in life and mm-hmm. just couldn't, wasn't up for it. So they were very tentative about getting on board for this one, but they were so excited for uh, Annette to actually pan out. Hmm. Um, so it was really cool because they, I mean, they're a very visual band and they and their lyrics are very visual and they really like conjure up these um very strong images. I have it on, I forget which streaming service. I have it on a list. I just, I haven't gotten to it. I'll have to watch that this evening or maybe tomorrow. It's on the Netflix oh. right now. Okay. Like it it's just it's one up. I've been really interested yeah. in. I just haven't gotten to. Yeah, I was the same way. And then I saw it finally came on Netflix. So I was like, oh, I got to definitely watch that now. Oh, and there for the longest time, it was one of the $20 rentals on Amazon. Yeah, it stayed $20 for a really long yeah, time too. Yeah. Like longer than most. Um, not to say that it's not worth it, but I, I just... Um, was waiting for it to drop, okay. but it was really good. And it, like I said, it has an Edgar Wright flair to it. So if you like his movies, um, uh, it's cool seeing a documentary through okay. his uh, vision. Ah, check it out. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about was, is um, something that will play into what we're going to talk about later um, in an interesting way is the show Foundation. Yes. Um, and I thought we've been talking about this off mic for um, the past few weeks as mm-hmm. the episodes have been coming out. But man, this is, I am really enjoying this show. Yeah. Um, it's uh, based on a series by Isaac Asimov, his uh, book series. And, and it's on Apple, Apple Apple TV. Yep. It's on yeah. Apple and uh, it's created by David S. Goyer, who is like part of, you know, like the 
Dark uh, Knight. Westworld and the Dark Knight yeah, universe yeah. Uh, with think, Christopher Nolan. Did he write and... the first Superman? <sighs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, and Josh Friedman, who, oh, the name doesn't really ring a bell, but he's probably attached to a bunch of mm-hmm. other cool stuff. Um, but it's this big complex saga uh, 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 of, of humans scattered across the universe and... Um, there's this mathematician do- uh, named Dr. Harry Sheldon who comes up with this formula where it basically is going to predict the future for like years, uh, like thousands of years. And he basically... And not down to the individual predictions, but more so it, kind of the big sweeping. Yeah, it's a big arcing like through... Yeah, here's, here's what's going to be happening just based on probabilities and the way empires yeah, rise and, and fall. Right, and just like looking through history yeah. and how this is probably coming... Um, uh, into the near future, but uh, it's basically pre- he's predicting that the empire is going to fall, and it's going to go into thirty like thirty thousand years of like darkness. Like there's just going to be like a dark ages period, and he's like coming to the empire and like trying to warn them that like we can do something about this so that it's not thirty thousand years; it'll be a thousand years of darkness. So his plan is to send out these kind of arcs to furthest reaches of space and kind of plant themselves and hold on to science and technology so that it can build, the empire can build back faster. And uh, and of course the empire doesn't believe them. They kind of like shun them like and send them off, but it's kind of also part of the plan. Like, cause Harry has seen this in the, in the cards of his math and, but there's a bunch of really great other side characters. There's a, um, a character, I, I can't remember her name. Um, Lee Harvey, what's her name? Is it Goal? Which, which the, one does the one she that play? Comes Is she the one on Terminus or? The one that comes to, like the first episode comes oh, to. Oh, where she wins the, the math Yeah, she, she solves the problem. Yeah, the younger one. Yeah, and, uh, and she solves the problem that like they, he had put out into the universe to mm-hmm. kind of like uh, see what is he like? What, see he's the, looking for somebody who can solve the Abraxas equation, right. which is this impossibly difficult equation. But he needs to find somebody. If they can solve that, then they have the kind of mind that can be a part of this. I think the they thou- call it psychohistory, oh, right, right. which is the mathematics about you know these mm-hmm. predictive mathematics. Yeah, yeah, and to be part of the foundation yeah. when they go mm-hmm. off into space. I, I, I find this. I mean, it's very high sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of of numbers and concepts and things like that. But I, I don't think it's done in a way that loses you at all. No, but it no. has these really cool concepts. Uh, the the emperor figure is essentially, for, for the last 400 years, it's been this character that they have three different versions, young, middle-aged, and old. Yeah, they yeah. keep cycling through uh, this, this original genetic material, mm-hmm. and they keep essentially making the same emperor over and over and over again. That whole plot line to me is fascinating. That, it's it's I, so yeah, interesting. I love that idea so much. Yeah. And... Um, so it has that storyline, and then it's about the the foundation being planted on these other planets mm-hmm. to the getting started, and then it's it's got so many like small storylines. Yeah. I find all of them equally interesting. Yeah. Now, did um, you watch the last mm-hmm. episode with the walk? Yep. Yeah, that was that was one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, uh, and it's it's such a a good series. It seems to. It's not like it's introducing. New idea after new idea after new no, idea. No. It's laid the groundwork with some of these new science fiction concepts, and it's just playing with them and taking them to their logical ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I find myself looking forward to it every week. Yeah, me too. And I, and it starts. I won't say it, the first episode is really great, and I won't say it like it it 
kind of settles in after that. Mm -hmm. But it really is planting the seeds for all these other ideas. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like right now it's finally a lot of those are kind of yeah. um, sprouting and, and growing in really interesting ways. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I, I, I between that and Dune, I have so many like like science fiction names and stuff like yeah, going yeah. through my head that I can't keep them all yeah. in in, uh, in line. But um, it's totally worth checking out. I think it, it looks it's gorgeous too. Yeah. For especially a for television, a television show, production, mm -hmm. yeah. it looks great. It has that the it relies a lot on costumes, and there's not a lot. It's not alien based. It's very human based. So. Um, if you're wanting like a, a Star Trek where there's other species of aliens and stuff, that's this is not that. It's very based around the human race. It's, it's a lot cool. more like Battlestar yeah. where it's, yeah, they're out in the, the far reaches of the galaxies, but it's not like they've found other intelligent alien life. Yeah. Uh, or at least not humanoid alien life. It's mm -hmm. not that there's not life out there. It just... Uh, it's it's not something where it's different species at war coming together. It's really about mankind mm -hmm. dealing with a very human problem and trying to, uh, you know, figure out what's important to them. Yeah. And I love the elements of like religion, how these religions have yeah. um, sprouted up and and how they deal with the empire and their thoughts on it. And it's such a fascinating idea that that it's going into it's it's really cool yeah and it and like you were saying it, it doesn't feel log blogged down logged down by like um the math or these the they introduced each concept very organically yeah it's cool yeah okay yeah. what have you been watching about uh well obviously foundation but i, I watched <laughs> a mess of other things too i went and saw no time to die which is the new James Bond flick. Oh, yeah. I want to see that. It is really good. Yeah. Um, Carrie Fukunagua mm -hmm. is the director. Yeah. And definitely brings his his kind of visual flair and his tone to things. That's cool. He really, it's still fun. It has moments where it really zips along. But at the same time, it uh, it isn't afraid to slow down. Yeah. It's a two and a half hour bond. Mm -hmm. And you could probably pretty easily cut a half an hour out of it. Mm. Um, but it's it's uh, I didn't think it was to its detriment. I could see some people thinking, uh, you know, just get to the action. I actually kind of enjoyed it. It it really took its time to try to humanize the characters and take a little more time with the conflict before it put things in motion. But it was still fun. There was there were laughs. Um, it it felt very light on its feet considering it was two and a half hours. And for me, that two and a half hours clipped right along. It didn't I mean, bother I, me. I really love all the characters from that this new yeah. um, the Daniel Craig Bond. So I I think I'd probably be okay with more yeah. character time with them. And and I think the only thing I was surprised Rami Malek doesn't have a huge role in this. I thought mm. the villain would be more front and center, but he's he's not an afterthought, but he's he's definitely a smaller character in the story hmm. than you would think. And yeah. he still does excellent. Uh, he's just a creepy dude. And, yeah, and yeah. he very much uh, creates, you know, even in a little bit of time, a really good villain. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those, if you're really going in looking for that uh, good versus evil, mm -hmm. high action, has elements of that, but it's it's up to some other things. Mm. But no, I I would highly recommend it. Yeah, Rami um, Malek's always one of those who I always like him more than maybe the project he's attached yeah. to. He's yeah. always really good, but I can't say there's been yeah. one of his projects that I'm like, that's 
That's been great. He's one, even in even in this part, you could accuse this part of being underwritten. Mm. There's not a lot to it. He just makes it interesting. Yeah. And it's just in performance. Mm-hmm. It's it's not necessarily that he brings some backstory there or, or something like that that you don't anticipate. It's just he he does such a good job of of a different kind of menace yeah. uh, as a villain that it it really worked for me. The other thing I watched just popped up on Apple. Uh, it's Finch, which is the Tom Hanks movie. Oh, yeah. I, I have that in my list. Fantastic. Yeah? I, yeah. It was not at all what I expected, uh, but it was it was just this heartfelt little drama about a guy that, that from the very beginning knows that his days are numbered. He's dying. Mm. And he has this dog and this dog is kind of everything to him. And so he builds this robot specifically so that when he dies, there's something to take care of his dog. Oh, okay. And honestly, that's it. Huh. It doesn't, it, it, there's, there's little things throughout uh, where it almost feels a little more episodic where you get some backstory and things like that. But really at the end of the day, it's just about a boy and his dog <laughs> and I guess his robot. But hmm. um, uh, Caleb Laundry Jones does the voice of the robot. And and Who even in that? the he he was in Get Out. He's the uh, angry brother. Oh, okay. He was in um oh I forget what other things he's been in, but he's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. But this is a very soft spoken, sweet role mm. compared to what he usually does. Uh but it was it was really interesting, even just with the voice work and the animation of the robot and, and a lot of it's practical. Yeah. It feels like there's a rig there and a puppeteer that's that's been kind of taken out with special effects. But uh the the robot just really sells hmm. um that performance and yeah. starts very, very simple and learns as he goes. It's like watching a little kid grow up mm-hmm. as as they're kind of on this adventure or whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was really good. It does not go big and huge and it's not it doesn't have some giant ambition. It's just mm-hmm. a, a nice little nice little story. Uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um then I just watched, it's this animated series, uh, it's CG, but it's gorgeous. It's called Arcane. It just popped up on Netflix. Okay. And it's based on League of Legends or some video game, but I don't oh, think okay. that matters at all mm. because it's one, uh, they've only put up three episodes so far. Story's fantastic. Mm. Characters are great. World design's great. Animation's great. I am so into this thing. Huh. It almost has an uh, an art style sort of like, what was that video game with the assassin? Dishonored? Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Where it's it's a very stylized kind of character design. Hmm. But it's, uh, I, I don't even know that I have a full grasp of what the plot, the fuller plot is. You know, yeah. it's building towards something. Uh, but it's just, oh, it's got a lot of great stuff in it. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about, because Foundation was on my list too. The last thing I want to talk about, I went to see Eternals mm-hmm. uh, the other morning. And that's the latest MCU movie. And it's uh, it's gotten a lot of bad press from critics. I think it's 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. It's the lowest rated MCU film, all this stuff. So I really went in braced. Yeah. And I definitely went in thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I love this movie. Hmm. It was, it's, it's not something where I would come out of it saying like, that was a great comic book movie or just one of the best comic book movies or anything like that. It was just, it was ambitious. They, they set out to do some very different things and you would have appreciated the third act. Cause while it does build towards, you know, kind of a big event, 
it's not a giant, you know, CG explosions and things falling out of the sky. Even by the time you get to the end, it's about these Eternals who the entire movie have had, I don't know, five or six different philosophical positions on whether they should sort of obey their, you know, space god overlords or mm. whether they should do their own thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really coming down to is humanity worth breaking away from what we were sent here to do? Uh, should we keep following orders or not? But they they do such an interesting job of picking that idea apart mm -hmm. throughout with different characters and their relationships that I, I was just on board for the whole thing. It is a slow start for about a half an hour. I was like, yeah, this is, this is not going to be great. But then it just kind of fell into stride. And I don't know, I got teary eyed at times. <laughs> I got, um, you know, it's, it's too dark. You can't, you can't see things yeah. well enough. It doesn't function well as a comic book movie in the sense of here's an action scene. Uh, why is it, you know, in shadow in the middle of a jungle? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That sort of thing. But, um, I just, none of that really mattered to me. I can a hundred percent see why some people don't like it or why critics didn't yeah, why, like it. What are critics saying about it? Critics I, are I, saying, that's that's the funny thing. I saw some critics saying it's too different from Superhero Fair and other critics saying it's too much like every other superhero okay. movie. And mm -hmm. it, it, that just tells you what kind of movie it is. You uh -huh. can really come to it and have, I guess, wildly different experiences. Now, audience scores, it's 86, 87% mm. uh, compared to that 52 um, so that's really interesting. By comparison, The Last Jedi was one that critics really enjoyed, yeah. but audiences hated. So it seems to be an inverse of that. But people seem to be enjoying it. Um, I, I don't think it does everything well, mm -hmm. but I do appreciate what it was trying to do. And it really just tries to, here's this family of you know 10 new characters. Let's just see what makes them tick. And and if they're going to stick to their guns or they're going to disagree or what they're going to do, um, I just I don't know it. Yeah, that's one thing that I seemed it. daunting to me about it is like it's introducing basically a whole new Avengers team yeah. all at once. So I, it, it just kind of put me off. On and it. It, it doesn't play that way because the way they they introduce the characters fairly early on, they you don't know what had happened yet, but you know they had some level of disagreement that split them. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like the old Muppet movie where it's a get the band back together, where it's just going along and getting one character at a time. Uh -huh. And so you you get these little chapters almost where they pick up a new character or two. Mm -hmm. They're reuniting, but they're finding where that character is now. And so as, as a story device, it gives you time to get to know each character as you go, mm -hmm. uh, to the point that I I think it's a, it's also a two and a half hour movie. It was probably an hour forty five minutes in before it gets to its last oh, of okay. the character roundup. So uh -huh. it really takes its time hmm. adding them on a bit at a at a time. Yeah, uh, that really helped. But for for somebody that that doesn't work for, I've I've also read different people who didn't like it, just saying that uh, there's too many characters to follow. Mm, yeah. Um, so it, 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 I think it just depends on your experience and your expectations. And I wouldn't send you scurrying to the theater to see it, spending good oh, money on it. I'm not going to go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I would definitely watch it, though. I'm, I'm curious yeah. what you think once it's out. Yeah. It'll hit Disney Plus here in four weeks or so or okay. whatever it is. Uh, I'm curious, you know, what you think of this new crop of Marvel movies. 
Yeah. Uh, Shang, Shang-Chi is definitely much more of your typical superhero fare. Mm-hmm. It's had some good stuff. This was not typical. Um, I just, I don't know. It At worst, I, I think I could see people complaining about the performances in the same way that they complain about the performances in Dune, which the performances in Dune work for me. I don't have an issue with it, but I've read other people like, this is a cold and emotionless movie, and I, I just can't feel these characters. And for me, I... I have a really hard time with that because I I connected with those characters. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Eternals. I I felt like I was really you know seeing some some authentic, uh, not humans but authentic people just mm. uh, you know working through some some conflict. So it I don't know worked for me. That's cool. Yeah, well, so that's, I'm glad you liked it. That's pretty much what I've been watching. The what only about other one thing? thing? Uh, yeah, what that's, about one thing? You you want to say something? Thing. I do. I want to apologize. Okay. Yeah. To you. Finally watched Ted Lasso. Uh-huh. And uh, I I think I texted you right after I finished both seasons, mm-hmm. my wife and I, and I said, I hated this show <laughs> because now I have to wait for season three. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good, Clint. Yeah, I told you. It was so addicting <laughs> and infectious and just... We would be laughing so hard, we would have to rewind because they would have already dropped another joke yeah. on top of a joke. Mm-hmm. And it just, oh my goodness, it's so funny. Every character is so funny and every character has their place. And I can't believe how many of these characters I just have genuine affection for. Yeah. By the end of, that was even at the end of season one. I like every character. <laughs> I, I really do. Um, even the ones that you're supposed to hate. Uh, it's not like you roll your eyes when they come on screen. Everybody serves their function, and I just, I don't know. It's its its something else. It's been a long time since I've laughed that hard and, and that steadily at a mm-hmm. show. And uh, just like Scrubs, which is Bill Lawrence is the creator of Scrubs. He's the creator of Ted Lasso. Mm. Uh, there are suddenly moments where it shifts into hard drama and some dark stuff and and where all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're not laughing anymore. And those moments are are even more affecting, uh, you know, ha- coming right out of something that's hilarious uh, when it's dealing with Ted's uh, anxiety yeah, and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, it was very moving. And then it would just suddenly be back up and running and hilarious again. I. This also has the benefit of not having Zach Braff. So. That too. <laughs> that too. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but but I should have listened to you long before now. Because now you need to watch what we do in the shadows. I know, <laughs> I know, Clint. I just I only have so many hours in the week, and but man, Ted Lasso, thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, if if you're at home and you haven't watched Ted Lasso yet, get on it. That show is just mm. it's good. Yeah, yeah, and even the first episode, uh, I enjoyed the first episode, but I thought there's no way they can sustain a show off of these characters, because at that point, it's just, you have this very bumbling, uh, dopely kind uh, football manager played by Sudeikis. Mm -hmm. And at that point, just the thought of this lasting for two seasons and still being funny was impossible to me, Mm -hmm. but they 100% do it. And it's because they, they're not afraid to give him some depth. Well, that and there's plenty of other characters around him yep. to pick up the ball when he doesn't have to be funny. Yep. So there's equally as funny people. Yeah. Um, also, I feel like it really, for me, really walks that razor's edge between um, being genuinely sweet and saccharine. Yeah. Like if it was 1%, maybe 2% 
over that line for me, I wouldn't like the show. And there's enough dark moments in the comedy is good enough that like it's e easily could have been a bad NBC show oh, or yeah. something like, oh, yeah. um, there's enough underneath the hood of it that keeps me coming back for yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And it's it, at the end of the day, it's just a show that's optimistic about who people are. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it, it doesn't refrain from letting people be flawed or to go off the off path or or all of that. But it, it just it, it goes out of its way to try to help you understand uh, why a character is making the decisions or behaving the way that they are. Yeah. Uh, and I just I, I thought that was so well done considering it's, you know, what, a half an hour each episode. They mm -hmm. accomplish a lot in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and it plays against expectations of like, mm -hmm. um, you're expecting something from a character who, look, that's gonna be the enemy. Like, nope, that's, we're gonna figure out why that guy's like that, why is Jamie an ass? Yeah. And we're gonna figure out that, and you're like, oh, these women, they're gonna be pitted against each other. Nope, they're gonna nope, be best friends. best friends. They're, yeah, we think they're gonna be a, at each other's throats. Nope, yeah. it's cool. One character who's, who's being brought out of uh, you know, just, just the background it's, oh, here, this is going to be a really nice story about him, you know, finally being recognized and growing as a person. And wow, that goes south. <laughs> uh, yeah, they just, they, they find interesting ways to, to play with old cliches. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I just, mm, so good. I'm glad you liked it. I did. Yeah. Well, today we are reviewing three flicks, uh, and they're all single word movies. We didn't do that on purpose, but it is Dune, Lamb, and Skin. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's start with Dune. Dune just hit theaters. Dune is about primarily Paul Atreides. He's a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding. He has to travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe, uh, Araxis. Is that right? Arrakis? Arrakis, yeah. uh, which is also called Dune, to ensure the future of his family and his people. However, uh, when the evil Harkonnens uh, betray them and attack, uh, things go south really fast. Uh, this is this is based on an old book, um, uh, one of one of the kind of foundational works of of science fiction literature by mm -hmm. Frank Herbert, and it's been around for a long time. Famously, uh, Jodorowsky tried to do a version, a movie version of Dune that never panned out. Uh, David Lynch in 1984 mm -hmm. gave us a movie adaptation of Dune uh, that didn't pan out. And uh, <laughs> I'll defend uh, some of the things in that movie. Okay, yeah. okay. And then uh, and there was, there was I think, a sci-fi series later on. Yeah, I just um, found out about that. I didn't even know. Until, yeah, I, I haven't yeah. watched that. I just saw a couple clips of the special effects. Oof. Um, mm -hmm. but it's, it's supposedly pretty good. Clint, uh, what did you think of Dune? Um, well, I, we, it came on HBO max. Mm -hmm. So I watched that at my house, like the first night it came out. Um, I was slightly disappointed with it just because of the, uh, just watching it on my TV really sucked. Um, just cause it, I don't know, it was like, like down the bit was bit rate was downgraded mm -hmm. because it's probably a million hundred million people streaming it all at one time. <laughs> um, but I, overall, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I really love, um, Denis, uh, Vill Villeneuve. 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 
Um, man, I loved Blade Runner. That's one of my favorite sci-fi movies of the past few years, um, Blade Runner 2049. Um, so I was really excited to see this. I also going into it from the trailers, I was really kind of confused about the tone of it because mm -hmm. I, I couldn't get a grasp of it. I, I mean, I really had no background for Dune. I had never seen The Lynch till recently. So I, I couldn't get a really good handle of what was happening in it until maybe the second trailer where it really kind of expanded and gave a more accurate um, feel for it. So being Denis, I, I was excited for it. And I think I, I came out the first time really enjoying his vision of it, um, but also distracted by my experience watching mm -hmm. it at home. So like you said, we went to the theater and saw it um, this week and that, that helped me out a lot. It was awesome seeing it in that scale on the big screen. Um, it really benefits from seeing it like the the world he's created, like the the spaceships and the, the scale of everything is very big. It, it's like one of the um, actual, like I feel like I haven't seen an epic movie. Like I feel like it, this feels bigger than Star Wars oh, yeah. in scale. Like it oh, yeah. really nails scale. It makes it feel like the, like the, the each house, like their vast empire of like, you know, the armies and stuff feel big and just the world feels really big. And I really enjoyed that about it. Um, the, the, I feel like I'm rambling, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, what you were saying about the characters where people feel left cold by them. Mm -hmm. This has very key scenes in it that give me the emotional arc there. I think that was masterfully done because this, it doesn't rely too heavily on having these big scenes of dialogue that are given to um, give you emotional background for they, they just have these precise key lines for characters to give you the feeling that these are friends. This, this is a father and a son. This is a mother and a son that give you that emotional weight so quickly. And I think that was done so well. And I was kind of like in awe at those scenes where like the like kind of gut wrenching, like punch the stomach, like, man, I, okay, I feel this relationship. So if you don't have, I could understand maybe if you didn't, those scenes didn't have that for you, then maybe you were left a little cold because they don't spend a lot of time, but I feel like the time they do is powerful. Um, I'm going to wrap up now, Ken, and just say, <laughs> <laughs> so you can speak. Um, I'm not like sitting here chomping at the bed. I'm just patiently listening. I know. I just feel like I'm rambling today. No, you're fine. you're fine. You're um, fine. I really enjoyed it. I I love the vision he has for for the for this world. It's awesome. Um, and it, it feels epic. And and I'm I'm excited for the second part. I think that was maybe one of my only other letdowns was it wasn't advertised well enough that this was a. First part, part one. Yeah. It's not like Fellowship of the Ring where they were, hey, this is part one and two more years you've got each of the the second and third part coming. Yeah. And I think it's it's I hate this whole like we'll see how it does in the box office before you get a if second. If it makes money, we'll if let you make, finish your story. Yeah. Especially like with something like this where it has to have the second part. That's such a lousy like way to run a business, I feel like. And like 
I feel like that's so crappy for fans and like, um, I, I hate that. It's even awful. with TV. I find myself less eager to just start the first season of a new show yeah. because I know how possible it is that it could just be canceled. And then I've spent time sinking into a first season without the promise of a second season. But then the catch 22 is if enough people feel that way, then of course it's not going to get a second season. Right. That's how I feel about foundation <sighs> yeah. right now because yeah. it's such an epic, like over thousands yeah. of years. And um, I just, I would love there'd be eight seasons of that show where you see a thousand year arc. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, so that was one of my other things, just like it ends and I'm just like, if it doesn't get the second part, I don't, I, how am I supposed to feel about this? So I think when you told me, okay, it, it got the money and it's going to get made, then I was like, okay, I'll go to the theater and see this because bef I was left really kind of burnt yeah. by that whole, um, way of doing movies. It, it sucks. Yeah. Um, so what did you think? I, um, so the first time I watched it, I watched it at home and I didn't have the the quality issue. I, I enjoyed the first watch, but I found that I just sort of enjoyed the movie. I wasn't in love with the movie. Yeah. Then I watched it again. And I think that might be what's going on here because the second time I loved it. Yeah. And every time since I have loved it. Um, I've, I found myself just putting it on the background. Oh, this really? past week, just for the the visuals and the the music and the score and all these things, um, and and I'm wondering if the people who felt that it was emotionless or that were left cold by it, I'm wondering if they just had a first viewing, because there is a lot to take in. Yeah, you've got a lot of story, you've got a lot of backstory, and it's not a overly expositional film. No, no, it 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 will put an entire history or an entire idea into maybe one line of dialogue. Yeah. Uh, the second and third time I watched it, I found myself really picking up on other details. And I had watched some videos from fans of the book who, you know, oh, it's missing this, it's missing this, it's missing this. But when you go back and watch it, nope, it's right there in that one line, line of dialogue. Mm. It's right there. And apparently this this was one of those movies where his, his initial cut was like four hours. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll get a director's cut. But... I, I, by the second time, I really loved it. I, I followed the plot much more easily. Mm. I understood the motivations of especially the emperor and why he was aiding the Harkonnens mm. uh, against uh, the, the House Atreides. That, yeah. that was a hard thing for me to wrap my head around the first time through. Um, but, but overall, this is a gorgeous film. The, the visual effects are just second to none. Um, you know, by the time we saw it in the theater, I was curious because there were a couple of times there's a handful of shots where you can tell, oh, there's something that's CG mm -hmm. very rarely. Yeah. And even in the theater, I think, uh, I think I counted maybe three things. Yeah. None of them distracting, just things where you can be like, okay, there's a, there's a special effect. Well, compared to a lot of other things, yes. like other movies and stuff, oh, I know. there, this I know. is, even those bad scenes were probably as good as most. Yep. hundred percent. And it was, it was all always something like you would see a crowd in the distance and maybe the the lineup of soldiers thousands of soldiers just looked slightly you know it was things like that it still looked incredible but 99.9% .9 of the effects in this movie are just flawless 
uh, much like Blade Runner 2049. I felt the same way. I just, I felt it was such a rich world and a detailed world, so lived in and, and everything just, just feels real. I think it benefits from, he has such a strong visual style that he plays a lot with like light and shadow and like how the ships are lit and stuff that they can, they have a very distinct form to them. So it's, it's such a different visual style for um, effects Mm -hmm. that I feel like it maybe hides the seams a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure they, maybe they had a lot of reference material on, on the, uh, when they were filming that to help with that. Um, but yeah, it's it's very kind of photorealistic yeah. in that way. And then then you get to the performances. I mean, the casting is incredible. The performances I thought were extremely well done. I have one person I want to ask you about. Okay. How do you feel about Jason Momoa? I actually that worked for me. Really? Uh, just because he he probably feels the most out of place. Yeah. Uh, compared to everybody else, but I'm I'm looking at him as the kind of hotshot pilot warrior character, and so it didn't bother me that that he was a little more uh, he had a little more swagger to him. the The other actors, one of the things you know, because I was constantly thinking about how there was just something that was really bothering me about that idea that these are cold and emotionless characters. I think they're just upper class characters. Yeah. They're they're royalty yeah. in their houses. And so their entire lives have been about structure and mm-hmm. order. And it takes, you know, a solid hour into the movie before that starts to fall apart. And that's where you see those they're not facades. It's just they're they're put together. They're mm-hmm. not people who have to worry about actually being attacked or actually being hurt. And the closer they get to the threat of danger, the more you start to see those performances uh, exhibit, you know, some more of those kind of uh, whatever you want to call that, where mm-hmm. it's just there's more emotion coming through. And so for for the Jason Momoa character, I felt like he was the guy that's out on the front lines. Yeah, He's the least royal of the house. And so... So his performance worked for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, there's something about him just as an actor okay. that I just like, I feel like he's always just himself. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of those actors where he's not putting on any kind of like performance as far as a different kind of character. He's yeah. always just a version of himself. And I feel like that stuck out to me because I feel mm-hmm. like everybody else was very um, like very deep in a different character's like gotcha. shoes and him I, I i just i never can get into his performances for some reason yeah, yeah. that that's the only one that stood out to me i i and well and i think a lot of times um you know watching movies we get into the habit of feeling like a character has to have an arc and they've got to really flash who they are and they've they've got to go through all these different levels but this is a story where you're you're meeting three different groups of people who are already kind of headed in the direction that they think this mm-hmm. is the rest of my life. And so there, there's a certain routine to everything they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when you first meet, um, is her name Chani, the one that um, mm-hmm. uh, that Zendaya yeah. plays? Uh, she seems almost sleepy. Mm-hmm. But again, you have this warrior culture and you have these people who this is just this is just another Tuesday. Mm-hmm. They don't care. Uh, this is not some giant event for them. And so they're mm-hmm. just going about their daily routine. And here's this kid and his mom 
you know, having a life crisis and they're just like, oh, geez, now we got to have a battle to the death. Okay, hurry up with it. You know, I but, was kind but of even su- that stuff worked for me. Yeah, I, I am kind of surprised how much it is advertised that she's in this movie yeah. because she's not in this movie no. very at all, much no. at all. Um, I'm sure that's probably for the benefit of the second part because yeah. she's in that more. But uh, it's strange how much like press and stuff she's doing for this movie when she's in it for maybe five minutes total. Well, and you and I had talked about something and it turns out, uh, this was after we watched it at the theater, turns out it's actually been uh, something that has long been debated about Dune as to whether it's a white savior story. Here Mm -hmm. comes the hail the white conquering hero who's gonna come in and help all of these brown people fix their world. and apparently that's that's a huge debate. And we had talked about the possibility of that. And you and I had just kind of walked away thinking, well, you know, it's this older book and, you know, everybody calm down. So I went and read the book because uh, I'm, I don't know, I'm obsessive. You're a nerd. It's You're a not, big nerd. I am. And it's not an easy book to tackle. It is a long book, Clint. <laughs> I and want it's, to at It's some point. good. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very different for, for some reasons that I won't go into here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really good. But... It has essentially, I, I swore to myself I was going to stop when it got to the end of where the movie stops, yeah. essentially part one. Yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> so I went ahead and read the, the part two as well, uh, or what will be the, the part two of the movie. Mm-hmm. First up, part one was very, very faithful. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is an incredibly faithful ad- adaptation. Well, I was can shocked. I, can I say something about the Lynch one? Sure. The Lynch one and this one really line up. Yeah. Like yeah. up to, you know, the, the point where it splits off and the second half yeah. happens. But I was really surprised by how much actually is in yeah. similar. Yeah. I When I had seen the Lynch version before, I thought a lot of that was Lynch being Oh, me too. Lynch. Yeah. It's in the book. Yeah. Uh, especially even when it gets to uh, uh, Paul's sister in mm-hmm. that kind of second half. No, yeah. that's, that's the book. It's this mm-hmm. little two-year-old that, uh, you know, because of, of different things and and potions and all that stuff is just this super creepy little intelligent being. It would have been cool um, to see if he if he had got to make his four hour cut or his because yeah. he wanted to do that as two parts as well yeah. to see what he did with the second half, because I think the first half of his version is OK. It's pretty good. Um, the second half feels like it's majorly skipping over like big chunks of like, it's like, oh, and she's this now. And like, it's very like Lynch or Lynch. Okay. I got gotcha. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Lynch's version, like it feels Lynch's version gets really compressed. Yeah. The second half of that's super yeah. compressed. Yeah. Um, but I would, it would be interesting if they ever, he ever agreed to do his director's yeah. cut. He has no interest, but, um, there's some fun stuff in it, but yeah. sorry, that was a sidetrack. No, it's okay. What I what I was going to say is, by the time you get to the second part of the story, yeah. uh, and that's where that white savior argument really is proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could see you watching Dune Part One and saying, "Oh, this is here's the white guy and he's saving the brown people." There's there's lines in this though where it's where he says. I see this jihad sweeping the universe and it's my fault. Mm-hmm. And that terrifies me. That's what part two is all about. Yeah. And Paul is not a white savior at all. Mm-hmm. Paul is actually... He's like a very uh, reluctant hero, he's, right? He's a reluctant hero, but he's not even really the hero yeah. of the piece because the entire story is going to come down to in part two, I'm assuming Villeneuve will, will keep it faithful, mm-hmm. uh, is that because Paul came and because Paul has kind of taken over and, and taken on this, this Messiah role, everything falls apart. The mm-hmm. universe... Just billions of people 
die mm-hmm. because of this act. And so he's actually the opposite of a white savior. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you've you've heard that debate, this this probably sounds like a tangent, but it's one of those. Hold on to it if that bothers you, or if that sort of stuff bothers you, because that's that's going to play out in part two. Um, but but part one, I think, even if that's what you're worried about, I don't think it holds up. I think there's such a richness to the houses and to to the characters that that they've established that it really works as a parallel to colonialism mm-hmm. from, you know, however many, you know, the last centuries. And and it, it works even as that where it's, you know, here's this planet and we're going to take it and we're going to take its resources because we're rich and we can. Well, it's a modern day too yes. with like the Middle East and the yep. oil. I mean, that's that whole story too, yep. that we're going to go in and take charge of it. Yep. And through this like supposed war that we're going to fight, we're just going to yeah. take control of all the oil. Um, so it really, I mean, is a modern story too. Yeah. And that's where I, I really respect this adaptation. That's yeah. the big thing I'm going towards here. I really respect how faithful the adaptation is because you can see places that the temptation in modern Hollywood be Hollywood would be to change that. Let's let's change this, let's update this, let's modernize this. But Villeneuve is is basically saying, no, have have faith in where the story is going. Mm-hmm. Let's tell the story the way that you, that the story should be told and watch what happens. And mm-hmm. I, I think he really has a good handle on what to leave out and what to push forward or what to minimize or what to, to you know, to add to the mix to help clarify the themes. This is, you know, it, it may not be the tiniest plot point for plot point faithful adaptation, but thematically, it's an incredibly faithful adaptation. And you can see where they're going towards. Paul is not going to be this just, you know, one note hero. Mm-hmm. It's it's a much more complex figure than that, uh, that, yeah, he's going to save the day, but that doesn't mean it's a happy ending. And right. I'm fascinated to see what part two yeah. is like. Well, I mean, the things that he did kind of modernize mm-hmm. um, were very like smart choices. It wasn't things about the story, more just characters where he's yeah. bringing like the female characters to the front and giving them much more of a role. Mm-hmm. And uh, the that, the one botanist character, the, the yep, judge, that's, that's, uh, um, that was traditionally a male character mm-hmm. played by uh, Max von Sydow mm-hmm. yeah. in the Lynch version. Yeah. And in this version, it's a it's a female. Yeah. Um, and those are smart choices. That oh, doesn't... Yeah. No, but in, in also with his mother, um, yeah. like bringing her much more to the forefront, that's yeah. a very smart choice and really establishes that relationship yeah. in a like more um, like beneficial way to the story. Like it, it gives her more of this warrior like uh, feel and it gives the powers that she has much more weight. It's really, it's, it's, I really enjoyed that. I find I, I can really tell when I'm really loving a movie because when I read criticism of it, my brain wants to defend it. <laughs> I read I read one person's review where they were just talking about how she cries too much. And and I got so mad at that. And I'm like, her entire world is falling apart and she's caught in between this giant tug of war between uh, you know, her her weird religious sisterhood and her not husband, but but her, you know, the person who's the father of her child and all these different things. And like, let the woman have a little bit of an emotion. Well, and all um, those scenes where she's crying, it's like it seems very natural because yeah. like it's like the scene where her son is gonna possibly be killed if she doesn't yep. uh, like doesn't succeed in this the test that he's going yeah. through. And like and you're putting your son into 
this harmful yeah. situation, like, yeah, that would be very stressful. <laughs> and that's, I, I think, and it's not just Dune. I, I find this with a lot of movies. Yeah. I get really irritated when, when people just complain based on sensitivities to something. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it just, at some point, you just have to stop and let a story tell its story. Mm-hmm. And you have to take it on its own terms. And if you like it, fine. And if you don't like it, fine. But it it doesn't make the story wrong. It just makes the story not for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's always going to be movies that just don't connect to me as a person because I'm watching something that isn't my experience and it's not conveying it in a way that I can understand uh, at a deep level. Okay, that's just not a film for me. Rather than, you know, trying to judge a film based on whether it speaks to you. And if it doesn't speak to you, it's a bad film. Right. No, it's just it's a film that didn't speak to you. Right. That, well, I mean, that's how I come at every single one we talk about. Like, it's all, I'm very emotional, like, based. Like, if it gives me an emotional response, like, yeah. um, so that's how I come at a movie. And, and if it doesn't, like, I, uh, that means it wasn't for me. Yeah. And it, it just did not strike a chord. And um, mm. I very rarely think a movie is just straight out bad. Velocipaster. pastor. Velocipaster. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that might be one that's just straight up bad. Um, but mostly it's just like, no, I, I just didn't have the response I was looking for from a movie. Um, so, yeah. I, I, one thing I wanted to talk about with this is is the visual style to it in his design choices and his war, like his... Um, the the wardrobe and everything like man the design is so great like he tells uh, the story through costuming so well and the the ship designs like it, each ship like really makes a statement about that spe- specific house yeah and um there's a great video series on YouTube by Vanity Fair, I think, oh. and they take a director mm-hmm. and they will just sit him down with one scene. Yeah, I've seen these. And he'll go through and, and break that scene down. Yeah. And the scene he picks for Dune, uh, it's it's 11 minutes. He goes through the scene where Paul has to put his hand in the box. Yeah. And he breaks down everything from visual effects to cinematography to costuming. And it was fascinating to listen to because you look at that scene and it's really a dark room with mm-hmm. a dark uh, robed figure with another, you know, black clad military uniform walking into it. It's not what you would think of as the most visually arresting scene. It is. Yeah. And he goes on to explain at an even deeper level as to why it is. But you really get the sense of he really had a handle on and a control over the entire vision and tone. Yeah. And he's really working at a, a higher level as to how everything comes together to give you a very specific response. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the emotional response you want, but it's the emotional response he is the storyteller is trying to get across to you. Right. You can't say with this movie that there wasn't a vision behind it. Like there's, you can feel that they're at the center of it. There's somebody's very strong visual, like they're making visual choices for a very specific reason. And like even that scene you're talking about, like uh, that benefits so um, massively for me seeing that on the big screen, just like the subtlety of like, of her costuming and that, in that giant um, headdress and, Mm -hmm. and him, like there's, one I was thinking about, we and I think I said it to you when we were leaving, is like he loves to play with sh- like shape and form. Yeah. 
like all the ships are very they're very much different from like any other sci-fi like movie the like the star wars or anything the ship designs are very form-based and very um sleek and very much like he wants to see it in shadow and he wants yeah. to see like it's they're very um broken down into basic shapes and forms. It's very interesting. He does the same thing with the costuming. Yeah. It's cool. Even with things like you see uh, a shot of the Harkonnen drop ships going up, you see then the the um, Atreides ships, drop ships coming down yeah. when they're switching power. Even that, all of the Harkonnen ships have this bulbous... Uh, mm -hmm. very rounded, organic kind of look to them, whereas the Atreides ships all have these hard angles yeah. that are very sleek and very constructed. And, mm -hmm. and even in those moments, it tells you something about the characters. The the military uniforms of the Harkonnens compared to the to the armor, yeah. uh, the very intricate layered armor of the mm -hmm. Atreides and, and things like that, it really gives you that sense of culture without having to sit around and explain the differences in the cultures. You just intuit it mm -hmm. by the visuals. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, I appreciated that so much. Yeah. It was really cool. Like, I love the, like almost 90s gothic look yeah. of those the, the Harkonnens. Yeah. They're like very uh, Borg-like, yeah. um, which uh, is, I guess it's similar in the Lynch versions like that too. Mm -hmm. So I'm is it described like that in yes. the books? Okay. In, in the book, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's very similar. Yeah. The Atreides are the, the regal house. The mm -hmm. Harkonnens are the, the dark gothic architecture and the, the very Baroque, uh, you know, almost Geiger. Yeah, for sure. Kind of design. Yeah. Um, and and then, uh, you know, we haven't seen much of the the emperor yet, but um, that'll, I imagine, be a whole other design set. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the desert designs and the the suits. Oh, uh, yeah. I love the culture, the mm -hmm. idea of how important moisture is and, mm -hmm. and how much of a significance that holds to them, that their swords were uh, teeth from from the, the sand Yeah, from Shiloud. And, yeah, I yeah. love that stuff. It's so, so much like in-depth storytelling yeah. just through yeah. like through costume. Like I was saying, like every aspect of it is used to yeah. benefit the story. And that's where I really appreciate a film like that in multiple viewings because mm -hmm. you pick up on just little details more and more each time. And it really starts to create this richness where you can appreciate the film more than you possibly could have on first pass. Oh yeah, yeah. I like. I mean, seeing it my first time, and like I said, watching it on my television, I knew I was like, there's a lot I'm really enjoying about this. There's a level I feel like I might be missing just yeah. because I'm distracted and whatnot. And um, so I was really excited to watch it again and take in like all the things I missed and um, that flushed out the story and the world. It was really cool. Um, the music, um, oh. I there I was distracted by it the first time. Really? So I, I enjoyed it, but the... Anytime a movie does the very like uh, stereotypical like woman chanting over mm -hmm. the desert, um, it takes me out of it because it <laughs> seems like such a lazy choice. Yeah. Uh, so the first time I was like the music, I do not like the music for this. Mm. Second time I noticed, oh, it's not in there as much as I thought it was. There, yeah. There's maybe two scenes where it comes in. Seeing and hearing it big really helped. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot more that time. 
I swear there it's like the scene where at the it's like the second to last scene where they are putting on the um, Fremen uh, the suits. Mm-hmm. He is referencing the music from the Lynch version. Really, there is a okay. lot. There's a very strong melody, like where they are um, looking out over the desert, mm-hmm. and that very kind of sweeping melodic line. Okay. I, I, it's a play. I'm not going to say it's exactly, but it's definitely a play on the opening credits from okay. Lynch. Like, Interesting. Yeah, I'd like, and and it would not surprise me yeah. at all. Uh, there's there's not much at all you could say is influenced by the Jodorowsky version that has that great documentary. The movie didn't get made, but it's yeah. a really extensive doc, extensive documentary mm-hmm. about it. But the one shot where you see the Harkonnen kind of uh, castle mm. and the the fly up to it is straight out of Geiger's design or Giger's design oh, really? for uh, Jodorowsky's mm. Dune. Um, and I mean, even down to the the kind of pathway that leads to it, and they even mentioned that that's nowhere in the book. That's a that's a Giger huh. design, and it's it's pretty dead on. So even there, yeah, there are things where I I don't think he was ignorant to the other uh, times that Dune has been attempted or things like that, and he wasn't above um you know using good ideas where there are good ideas or maybe it was just his design team or whatever it was it might have just been like um, we want to play like a little uh, easter egg wink yeah. to those who are familiar with yeah. those things yeah um it's i mean like i was saying with the music i mean it's a beautiful melody like yeah. that's probably one of the best parts about the lynch version is some of the music yeah. in that um so it was cool just maybe it's a reference to it it was yeah. fun yeah. Um, but yeah, all in all, I I really I genuinely love this movie. Uh it would not surprise me. I've got to look back at, at what all's come out this year. It wouldn't surprise me if it's if it's possibly my favorite movie of the year mm-hmm. or it's it's up there in it's the top definitely, three. Yeah. I'll have to I'll have I, to I see how it all it falls. Yeah, I I would definitely recommend that because like I said, it was great on further watches. Mm. Jenny really liked it too. I was oh, really okay. surprised. Because awesome. like I mean, she was surprised that I was surprised yeah. that she liked it, but I'm like, well, you don't, she doesn't generally yeah. lean yeah. towards sci-fi. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't trying to like, she was like kind of mm-hmm. offended that I was like, why don't you think I like this? <laughs> like, well, just because you don't watch sci-fi. Yeah. Rachel really liked it too, but she's also been watching Foundation with me. Oh, okay. And so we, we're, we've already week to week been in that mm-hmm. kind of higher sci-fi mindset. Yeah. Um, uh, so it, it. I don't know. I I would definitely recommend reading the books I plan uh, or the to. book. I haven't read the books, but yeah. the the first book, um, it's a good read. It's, yeah. I have no idea how they're going to do part two because yeah. I really thought some of that stuff in the Lynch version was just Lynch being weird. Mm-hmm. Nope, that's it's it's pretty faithful to at least the general plot points of of the second half of that book. So yeah. really curious how he handles that, especially some of the more mystical elements. That's cool that are in there. I think we could have probably made the whole episode about this and just talk. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I probably could. I I could continue to talk about this. I know we don't have the time for it, but it's just it's one of those movies that your brain unpacks and and there's just it seems like there's so many different aspects of it to talk about because filmmaking. I mean, this is this is what you go to the movies to see. Yeah. Uh, even yeah. if it leaves you cold, and I would be fine if somebody came out of this and said. It just, it left me cold. Mm-hmm. That's about you and your experience, not, oh, it's an emotionless film. Right. That sort of thing. Um, 
but it just it 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 engaged me at so many different levels and continues to as I go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. Just thoroughly enjoy that. Yeah, I just love this. His he has such a strong visual language. Like I love the kind of carry through from Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Like you can just see that he's one of those filmmakers that has a handle on every aspect of the filmmaking. And so, uh, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed all his movies. So I'm excited to see what he does with the second part. Well, and I'm calling it now. It's just a shared universe. This is just 10,000 years well, in the future of yeah, Blade that's Runner. Exactly. Like I'd that's be. where it evolves to. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I could totally see that. Especially, yeah. weren't you saying that like it's, there was a war in this world where then they uh, kind of go do away with computers? They basically had developed AI uh, to a near human level and it caused chaos. And after they kind of finished that war and took care of all of that, they decided no more AI and computers. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be very low tech. Um, and that's why there's such a, a rise in, in how integrated the religions and the rituals are mm-hmm. into everything that they're doing and why you never see like a full computer screen. It's, it's very yeah, analog sure. um, compared to a typical... Because you know, this takes place in the year, I think, 10,190 yeah. or something. Yeah. And that even starts, that's an era date. That's actually, I think, 10,000 years after uh, what we would think of as, as 1 AD. Okay. And so it's actually 20,000 years in the future or huh. something like that. I may have my numbers wrong. But it's even further in the future than you would think. Yeah, that was another interesting thing about like this version, uh, thinking about that far in the future mm-hmm. and some choices like in like the score where <laughs> there's bagpipes <laughs> yeah. and then like there's still bullfighting and yeah. stuff. And, it, and at first it was kind of, off-putting to me like Mm -hmm. why do these things still but then it was interesting to think about like just culturally what sustains and like that these things still cut through and like are still practiced and um that it kind of gives more power to those ideas that like this thing is still maintained like that that kind of music and this practice of bullfighting is it's really interesting to think about what cuts through time well, and in, in my understanding of the future sequels to Dune, Earth is this mythological place mm. where only a handful of people even mention it or have ever heard of it. But um, at one point in the first book, it's mentioned to uh, the player or the player, the the character that Javier Bardem mm-hmm. plays. Yeah. And, and he brushes it off as this like... Uh, don't don't speak legends to me. Okay, uh, you know we only deal in truth. There's something like that. Yeah. But but he's even he hears the word and recognizes the word Earth, but it's this ancient story. It was never even a real place. Mm-hmm. Don't even talk to me about that. Yeah. And and so you know just that idea of what would survive if you've even forgotten Earth. For but sure. you're still human. Yeah. You know, things still get passed. What is it that gets passed and, and what still defines who your family is? Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thankful there wasn't a pug in this version, the <laughs> Lynch version. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wanted to so bring that up. So much pug. <laughs> Man, the scene where Patrick Stewart is running out in into battle, battle, in battle, holding a pug. Yep. And that cracked me up so yep. much. There's so. Okay, I, I said I would defend the Lynch version just because it's Lynch, basically, and there's yeah, some fun Lynchian yeah. stuff in it. Yeah. But there are some crazy, funny things in that movie. The milking cat, yeah. the pug. Um, there's, yeah, there's Patrick Stewart's hair when he's out in yeah. the desert. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The Baron is ridiculous in yeah. that one. Yeah. 
Uh, that's Sting is ridiculous. Over the top of, yeah. Sting in his metal diaper is yeah. ridiculous. I am excited. I, I like how uh, Villeneuve structured this first part because he didn't introduce certain characters. Mm. And so now you have a character like Oscar Isaac that's out of the picture. Right. But now you have these other characters you can introduce, like the the Emperor and the character that Sting plays, the kind of anti-Paul. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's room for new characters to be introduced in part two, and I'm excited for that as and well. And it, it leaves room for Josh Brolin's character yeah. to have some more yep. things to do. I'm really interested to see where they take that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because he should come back, and then the Mentat, the, um, the bigger guy with the black lip thing. He, oh, right. He comes back as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see where it all goes, but I just, again, really enjoyed this one. Mm -hmm. So our next movie is Lamb and Lamb is an Icelandic, are we calling it a horror film? The trailer built it as a horror film. Yeah. And, uh, it, it takes place kind of like a modern day folktale. I, I like that. Yeah. In rural Iceland, a childless couple discover a strange and unnatural newborn in their sheep barn. It is, you know, what, 30% sheep Mm -hmm. and 70% human. And they decide to raise uh, this little girl lamb thing as their own. But sinister forces are determined to return the creature to the wilderness that birthed her, Mm -hmm. is the official synopsis. Clint, Clint, oh, Clint, what did you think of? lamb i want to blame you partially for this <laughs> man you were so excited about this trailer i, I love this trailer yeah i you thought it was probably the best trailer of the year i really did i really I, did. i'm not going to deny i was excited too because the trailer looked cool it yeah. looked good it like looked weird and creepy yeah. and i will say that the first maybe 30 minutes of this movie yeah. holds up to that and at some point, it decides, nah, we're not going to do that anymore. Um, I was disappointed by this movie overall. And I tried to go in, like, Icelandic movies, they, they, they have a certain tone. There's a different style of directing. So I tried to go in with that lens. Um, it was like, oh, this is doing different things. I shouldn't expect, like, a Hollywood horror movie. This is going to be maybe let the right one in or something. Um no, this just decides we're not interested in anything we've set up, um, and I was kind of bored by it. I think the setting is interesting. I like the Icelandic la- landscape. The whole the, pre- <laughs> the the synopsis you read, like they're talking about how like this is like man against the wild and wilderness. Like they they give up on that like really quickly early. and only so come early. back at the end. Yeah, as a as a almost afterthought. Like here you go. Yeah, so that like it just doesn't play true to me, and, and so I was disappointed with this. What did you think? I, ugh, it has not been since Man of Steel that a trailer <laughs> has so misled yeah. me. Do you remember the Man of Steel oh, yeah. trailer? I was so excited. Incredible yeah. trailer, still mm-hmm. one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Just made me care about Superman, and I was never a Superman kid. Yeah, but that Man of Steel trailer, I was just like, there's no way this movie can do anything wrong. Yeah. And then I watched Man of Steel. <laughs> and it turns out that a two and a half hour movie is a lot longer than three minutes of trailer. Mm-hmm. You got to fill a lot of time in there. Y- you do. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Lamb, exact same thing. I love that trailer. It creeped me out. It intrigued me. It made me think, what's going on here? What in the world aren't they showing me? Turns out they showed me everything creepy in the Lamb trailer. And if you can imagine the Lamb trailer... Uh, just the extended cut 
an hour and a half. With added bits you don't want? No, not at all. <laughs> it was, and it wasn't even mundane for mundane's sake or boring for boring's no. sake, or it wasn't in under the skin where it's taking its time so it really pays off in those moments that it goes weird. It just, it, I, every now and then there's that, there's, there's one of those movies that come along and I feel like the best way to explain the way I react to it is like this movie doesn't know what it wants to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it does. It's, it is a very cohesive vision. It, it, I don't think it's a poorly made film no, no. in any way. It, it, the movie succeeds on everything that it's trying to do. It's just like we were saying with Dune, when you're talking about movies like this, it just left me cold. Mm-hmm. I was bored. It did not speak to me. And uh, maybe there's somebody that this would connect to, but I kept I kept waiting for it to really sink its teeth in and start to twist and to, to really give me the feeling that the stupid minute and a half trailer gave me. Yeah. And I just never got it. And then by the end, especially... Um, the ending of this movie is such a an out of nowhere uh, abrupt. Um, I don't even know what you would call that. It just it, it didn't work for me thematically. It didn't work for me visually. It, it didn't just, work with me with the whole idea of man against nature. No, like why? No. Uh, do you want to just like spoil this? Sure. I yeah. Mean, if, if yeah, totally going to spoilers here. But you know, at the very beginning, in the first five minutes of this movie, of this very creepy, you don't see the creature. That's having its way with, you know, what's what's going to give the lamb that's going to give birth to this creature. It was consensual. They showed a scene. There's a scene they cut out where they have a wedding ceremony and these sheep get married, the sheep to the man sheep. And they cut that out. They didn't think it was going to fit in with the horror aspect. So... Are you serious? No. <laughs> oh, good God. That, though, tells you more about this movie that even hearing that, I had no idea if you were serious. I was really like, no, that tracks. There was a sheep wedding with scene. Exactly you know? with what this this movie would do. Uh, sorry, I, I completely believed you there. But just, just enough where I was just like, is that real? Uh, I was a gullible kid. Sorry. No, it's uh, fine. But, sorry to play a trick on you. No, it's okay. But but yeah, it was it was one of those things where you get you get this sense that you know there's this other creature mm-hmm. that that is basically the father to this half sheep lamb baby, yeah, yeah, lamb baby, and you never see it. Well, at the end, this dad thing comes back. Mm-hmm. It's just a really big uh, Renatar looking ram man. Yeah, and he picks up a rifle and and shoots uh, adopted dad. Yeah. And then he takes the little lamb and he goes off into the mountains. Why does a ram man need a gun? Why does a ram man need a, a kid? Or uh, well, I could see a kid. Like no, he, I wanted full Predator to like a family of these things show up. Like if you're yeah. gonna take this kid back, well, take the kid back. That's where. And it, why come back this long after the kid is born? It just. Well, that leads into so many other options of where this could be interesting. Like, generally, I don't like to, like, I mean, I will on my own time, like, think, like, oh, where where should have this movie gone that would have been satisfying to me? Like, usually it's, it's I mean, always, it's uh, it's an uh, exercise that's not needed because yeah. it's not going to solve anything. But for this movie, I really, like, the, the first... Um, 
30 minutes when they they have this lamb baby it's they're cre- like it's a creepy situation the the mother of this lamb is like outside the window wanting its child crying back, yeah. crying like that it, that was really satisfying and creepy because it was like setting up this whole thing like a, a man against nature and it's i and then like she kills this lamb oh the mom sheep yeah the mom sheep she, the the woman who's the surrogate for this uh, little baby kills the sheep because it's outside her window and then like after that they just don't do anything with yeah. man against nature oh, things had started to fall apart there where there was a connection to there was something about killing the mother that they had taken the baby and they weren't allowing nature to run its course and yeah. now things are really not only have they taken this kid but now they've killed the mother and yeah, I would yeah. have loved to have seen like then all the rest of the sheep, like every day yeah. after that, another sheep shows up until where she's, it is, it's, it's her livelihood yeah. and she's killing off her livelihood for the sake of this baby that she's like basically stolen from this pack of yeah. sheep. That would have been so much more interesting. Yeah. Okay, instead of doing anything like that, they introduce this brother character who shows up, <laughs> who is just for half an hour of the film. For a half hour, the the second act, of, like because it's broken into thir- three acts, it's just about this brother who shows up and is kind of creeped out about this baby. But, but then he's not. But he, then he decides, like he's threatens to kill the baby. This then he's like, oh no, I'll I'll love the baby too. And so then it just becomes this little family. But like, why? Nobody's reacting to a half lamb, half baby in a logical way. And it, it, it doesn't do anything with the horror. Like, I mean, okay, you're not making a horror movie. Why set it up as a horror movie for one? Um, so anyway, going back to my like just pondering where this should go, I saw I like we said I thought a lamb should show up every day. She's killing off her thing. Then it sets us up this lamb, um, ram man. Um, they and the brother takes out the baby to the wilderness and he's going to kill the baby. And then in the movie he brings it back and decides, oh, I'm going to love the baby. They should have had the ram man show up. Kill this babe, kill this man, this brother who has no importance to this storyline at all. In a horror fashion, you bring in a character like that to kill because it's just fodder for yeah. killing. Yeah. Then the ram man takes the baby into the wilderness. Then surrogate mother and father humans have to go find the baby. And then it's really man against nature. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's such like there's so many options. <laughs> Instead, we want to see this storyline about this brother come in who's just a creep and like yeah. hitting on the the wife and such it, a waste. It's such just a waste. for her to kick him out anyway. Yeah, and so he comes and goes, and that's it. Yep. Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> My, I, I wanted an extra twenty minutes. Yeah. Where after after the Ram Man kills the the adoptive father, mm-hmm. that adoptive mom goes back to the barn. And straps uh, like a machine gun to a flamethrower. <laughs> oh, this and is then, wildly different. Yeah, <laughs> and then goes up into the mountains uh, to to get the little kid back, and uh, finds the ram man, and he's surrounded by all of these like weird egg things. And she takes the <laughs> lamb, 
And because lambs come from eggs, right, the ram man is about to attack, but she points the flamethrower at the big eggs, and the ram's like, "Whoa, slow down, lady!" Uh-huh. And then she slowly backs out. But then she's just like, she sees some other rams. This sounds stir- familiar. <laughs> what are you talking about? These other rams start to move in, and she gives them this look, like, "Really?" And she flame throws the eggs. Wouldn't this happen in rams? <laughs> Lambs. Lambs. <laughs> Lambs, I mean. So so then, hold on. <laughs> okay. Bear with me. <laughs> Sorry. Then then she's got to run out before the entire station is hit by this nuclear explosion. Uh-huh. Um, don't, it's, there's a power plant. Uh-huh. Anyway, she gets the lamb out of there, but the ram man has followed. <laughs> and he gets on the drop ship, but she doesn't know he's on the drop ship. Is there an exoskeleton coming up? <laughs> Please tell me there is. I'm going to stop here, because clearly... I would rather be watching Aliens. This movie just, I, I, I did not enjoy this movie. I was bored by this movie, and I've come to despise it a little more the more I think about it, just because I, I wish I knew what it was trying to accomplish. I just don't. One of my, it doesn't, it's not satisfying as a horror movie, and it's not satisfying as a folklore movie, because it doesn't do anything like, it go. It doesn't go one way or the other, and it doesn't do anything interesting with either part. Instead, it wants to go into this weird family drama situation, like for no reason, about this brother who's uninteresting who just shows up, and then like, okay, they were in a band, Clint. <laughs> they were in a. They band. were something once upon a time. Clearly, that's when whatever that affair they keep alluding to happened. They were in a band. Yeah. He was the singer. He was, you can't deny a singer's charm. The husband charm. was the drummer. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Always the singer. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I, part of me, too, I was so excited about this, I paid $20 to rent this on Amazon. <laughs> and that definitely did not help. I, I think I would be Think less about it frustrated. as $10. I'll give you $10 for letting I me. Want, I don't want your pity money. I'll I'll take I the make hit. You feel better. No, it's it's not gonna. I already feel like I just it. Maybe even if I had just paid five for it, I mean, well, you know, yeah. But there five. was just something about I was so excited in that trailer, and yeah. you know, you got the confidence to throw it out there for a twenty dollar in theater uh, rental fee. It's it's got to be good. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So anyway, uh, our third one word titled movie was Skin, and that was our Cinetron pick from last week. It's from 2018 uh, from director uh, Guy Natif, and it's about uh, it's based on a true story, mm-hmm. and it's about a young man uh, who makes the dangerous choice to leave the white supremacist gang he joined as a teenager with his former friends against him. He is determined to create a new life for himself if he can make it out alive. I hate these official synopses. <laughs> they make everything sound so generic. Uh, Clint, uh, what did you think of Skin? I realized I haven't watched a movie like this in a long time. Uh, I think because the four, last four or five years have been such uh, dog trash. <laughs> I just made dog trash up, I think. Um, so it was just seemed a little too heavy to want to watch. Um, so Sinatron, thank you for m- mm-hmm. making me watch this movie. Um, I I think it was a good movie. I think it was really well done. I, I think the acting was really, I mean, Jamie Bell was really good, yeah. uh, really believable as this skinhead who's trying to reform his life and try to make something of himself. Um, 
I, I liked how it was structured with the um, the tattoo removal. The tattoo removal um, that was really yeah. an interesting choice. I, I think the music did a lot for it, it, which was done by Dan Romer, who did Beast of the Southern Wild and Wendy. The, those two films, and I love the mu- music for those movies. I mean, it's a subtle score. It's mm-hmm. not, I won't say it's like mind blowing, but it it gives another little layer to the movie. Um, and then like the other uh, the actress um, uh, Danielle McDonald. Was really good as yeah. as Julie. I mean, she's a very believable person, like a very kind of atypical casting. I feel like another yeah. movie would maybe t- uh, cast um, a very uh, normal Hollywood actress. Yeah, uh, she was really great and believable in, yeah. in this. And uh, I thought it really elevated their relationship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because and it wasn't just with with her. I mean, even no. with Vera Farmiga mm-hmm. uh, or Farmiga, mm-hmm. who, I mean, she goes without makeup. She looks rough. She does not look like an actress at all. Yeah. And, and even that, I, I feel like everybody in this, nobody seemed like they were trying to look the part of an A-lister. They just were were doing their best to look like a real person Yeah, uh, that, that you could forget you're watching an actor or an mm-hmm. actress. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, I won't say it's a fun movie to watch. No. The, the the subject matter is rough and it's not really a world I'm interested to like spend too much time in. So I think that is my only like, sh- like apprehension about the movie is just because it's such an ugly world yeah. uh, and a viewpoint to be sitting in for any period of time is just, it's hard. Um, but I think the characters are really believable and um and it's done with enough style to make it interesting so what did what did you think i i think it's a really good film yeah i i have a very hard time watching a movie like this yeah um it's it's very very oppressive Mm -hmm. and and very just honestly depressing um it's it needs to be seen. It needs to be out there. Yeah, yeah. It needs to be known that this is the kind of stuff that happens. I I loved how much time it took with watching this this ma and pa mm-hmm. uh, couple recruit young sure. vulnerable kids. Yeah, I agree. Into this family. Yeah. That, that's essentially this paramilitary kind of uh, cult mm-hmm. that they have, and and it was horrible to watch, and it's really depressing. But that's exactly what these groups prey on. They right. prey on kids who uh, don't have other options and don't have family and don't have the means to, to eat. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really powerful when Jamie Bell's character is, c- is questioning this new recruit mm-hmm. and he just keeps pushing him. No, why are you here? Right. And in my brain, I kept thinking he's hungry. He's hungry. Yeah, yeah. And then when he finally says, mm-hmm. I was hungry. Yeah. That was such a powerful moment, mm-hmm. but so sad. Yeah. Um, Especially where it goes with that character oh, by yeah. the end. Yeah. And I, I totally agree because I, I never really um, thought about a group like that in the cult-like sensibility. Yeah. Like I I always kind of just considered like that they have these worldviews and they kind of gather together. They just and clump up. They clump up yeah. and like they are um, living their worldview and their um 
doing these acts because they really believe it and never thought about like a, a hungry person or like a young person who's easy to be preyed upon getting sucked in and just going along with it for the sake inch of survival. inch by inch. Yeah, 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 exactly. And being indoctrinated into it. Yeah. That was a really interesting like, way to think about it. Yeah. And, it, and that's, you know, watching the fear this mother character has with her, with her daughters Mm -hmm. and, you know, is, is already out of this community, but is still trying to make a living is still trying to provide for her girls and, and just the kind of the fringe elements that aren't in this, this cult, but are, are affected by it. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, it, it was a very poignant, I think very timely movie. Mm -hmm. It is one, you know, it didn't, necessarily uh, teach me to be a better person because I'm not a white supremacist. Uh, That's news to me. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, while I could have gone without watching it, I would have probably had a better Friday night if I hadn't watched it. Yeah. I, I think movies like this are important. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think as unpleasant and, and uncomfortable as they can be that we should look away. I think I think it's important that there are filmmakers putting this kind of art out there. Mm-hmm. It is not something I can say, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I I sometimes think that the power of film is in reminding us of things that we wouldn't normally want to look at, but it needs to remind us that this is there. Like we said the other week, there are Nazis now, they're back. Mm-hmm. And that's something that as a society, as a people, we need to look at and deal with. And art is just one of those ways that we can look at something uh, safely mm-hmm. and understand what's out there and then determine as a society, is this acceptable? And if it's not acceptable, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And and I really felt like this was a, a smartly made, uh, a well-crafted movie yeah. that really... I mean, it's it's clear what it's setting out to do in the story it's telling. I do wish, and maybe I missed it at the beginning, I wish it would have told me it was a true story. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the top. Right. Because suddenly at the end, I'm realizing, wait, this is this is true? Mm-hmm. Because my brain just functions differently uh-huh. when I know I'm watching something. I, I turn off the movie brain that questions, well, would this happen or this happen? Mm-hmm. And it just becomes a like, oh, wow, I bet that really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wish I knew that up, up front. But... Other than that, great film. Uh, miserable, miserable watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, wh- one thing I will say is that, um, I mean, I tend to lean towards watching maybe science fiction or mm-hmm. other things that kind of play and talk about kind of social things like this, but like in a different way where it's kind of just built into the sci-fi world and it's saying things um, in a maybe uh, not direct way, it's referencing the kind of things that are real world. But, and I think that's a great way to talk about things. But I think it's also really important movies like this who, that are directly re- saying it and telling a true story and just putting it in your face and reminding you that, yeah, I mean, this is real and this is happening and you can't. Uh, shy away from it. I think if I was making this film, probably what I would have done is is a little more divided 50-50. I think I would have followed the the, the Mike Coulter character mm. uh, who really goes in and tries to pull these these guys out of... Yeah, I... I, I yeah. really wanted to know more I really about liked, him. I did too. I really love um, like that part of it. Um, yeah. 
And and I they still did a good job yeah. with him even as a side character, and I I liked the relationship that was developed between him and and the Jamie Bell's neo Nazi. Mm-hmm. But I just I think if if I personally were making this film, I would have bounced back and forth and shown some real contrast in uh, kind of life at his house versus life at this Nazi compound and then starting to blur the lines because they do that sometimes too where it's hate. When you see hate and it's getting violent, it kind of looks the same no matter which side it's on, Mm. whether it's on the righteous side of a mother whose son was attacked or the unrighteous side of a Nazi who did the attacking, it really starts to blur that space. Not saying, yeah, I would have attacked him too Mm. uh, if I were that parent. But in that moment of, of violence and anger, you can see that these two people have a shared experience that they're not realizing yeah. that their hatred is something that becomes so palpable that they're willing to do something beneath what they would have done otherwise. Yeah. I think you could do something like that with like a series maybe. Yeah. I think yeah. it just, the movie didn't really, For like, sure. I think it was so centered on um, Jamie Bell's character's yeah. like experience that that might've muddled it. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to see if maybe he makes a follow-up movie that actually follows that character in some other cases he yeah. worked on or something. But like, yeah, I think it would have been if it was a series, they could have flushed that kind of story out yeah. more. But I agree. I, I enjoyed that part of it. It would be cool to see more of it. And and the only criticism I really would level against this movie is if you're going to have a character and they're going to have on very reflective glasses, make sure you cannot see the film crew in them. That was uh, so distracting. What scene was that? I didn't uh, see it. Early on when you first meet the the Mike Coulter character, okay, he's wearing these highly reflective, almost sunglasses. <laughs> Man, the number of times I could see director, camera crew, <laughs> and it's, it's shakier, so you would only see it sometimes, yeah. but I was just constantly aware of the fact that uh, you know, may, should have should have really put on different glasses on this guy. <laughs> but oh well. Yeah. Uh, so Dune, love it. Give it a couple of watches. Uh, Lamb, watch that trailer a couple times. Yeah, maybe watch it the, the amount of 90 minutes. And, and then, then watch Aliens and just pretend <laughs> that Newt is a lamb baby. And then uh, Skin, definitely a good watch, but but a hard watch. And so uh, see, see what happens. But Cinetron did not lead us astray. Are we ready for a spin again? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Have you seen this movie? Um, April in the Extraordinary World. That's no, I have not. That's animated. Mm-hmm. It's um that's it's like, that's on like people are constantly putting that on their top ten animated films. Yeah, it's like a French Miyazaki kind yeah, of flick. Yeah. I, I've seen this. Um okay. it's been a few years, but uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. <sighs> All with right. You. I, it's one that's always sat on my list mm-hmm. and I've always wanted to watch. It just sort of seems like there's always something else to watch instead. Yeah. 
Awesome. So, okay, I believe it's it's based on a French graphic novel or something. I think isn't so. It? Okay. Yeah, but it's cool. I All think right, you'll that'll like it. be okay. That'll well, be a fun change mo- of pace. We need to do more animation. We, we do. We haven't done a lot of animation. We do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, especially we should have. Uh, I guess we were out at the time, but did you ever end up watching Wolfwalkers? Wolfwalkers? Uh, that's the one by the guy who did um, uh, Secret oh, of the Cows. No, I haven't and, seen that yet. Oh, Clint. It's good? Yes, oh, cool. and I believe it's on Apple. Yeah, uh, I've seen it on free. there, but I yeah. it's fantastic. It's nice. it's my favorite of his movies, and really, you know how much I love his movies, mm-hmm. Song of the Sea, and I forget. I think he did Breadwinner as well, or or his team, Tom. Mm-hmm. Whatever his name is, Tom Celtic Celtic. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know what his name is. <laughs> but well, anyway. one week maybe we should talk about that and that animated uh, movie about Wolf, and okay. I'll make you make watch Wolf House. Wolf House. Yes. What's Wolf House? This crazy stop motion um, horror movie from maybe last <laughs> year. It's on okay. Shutter. Amazing. It's horrifying and it's beautiful and weird. And uh, it's based on this real story. And uh, I would love to see your opinion about it. I feel an episode coming together. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should do Wolf Walkers and we should do what'd you call it? Wolf House. Wolf House. And, and we should Wolf do of Wall Street. April. <laughs> Slightly different. Yeah. And and April and the the extraordinary what's it called again? Uh Extraordinary World. April and the Extraordinary World. All right. Not promising that, but that feels fun. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we don't do enough animation. We both we love talk animation. About, we love animation. We can talk about Miyazaki. We can talk about all kinds of stuff. Yeah, Miyazaki's a hole to go down. Oh, I yeah, love Miyazaki. I do too. All right. Well, this has been Cinebabble episode 41. Uh hope you're enjoying yourselves and uh looking forward to Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm sure we are gonna do some some holiday fun here in the next couple of weeks. All right. We'll see what we get up to. There's lots of Thanksgiving movies. Oh. And so I, I think we could do a just a whole Thanksgiving extravaganza. Um, are there any Thanksgiving movies? <laughs> you just said it so confidently there were. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. I was I was trying to be sarcastic, but then my brain really started to wonder, like, wait a minute, are there? I don't we think... just do all Hallmark Channel movies one week. <laughs> I, I do bet a... there's a bunch of I'm Hallmark sure Channel Thanksgiving yeah. movies. All right. But thank you for listening. Uh, as always, I'm Ken and this is Clint. And uh, we'll just, we'll see you or you'll yeah. hear from us next time. Yeah. Keep your cats away from your cords, friends. Seriously. <laughs> Stupid cat. <laughs>